Mark chapter 10, verse number 13 says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. We're looking forward to the patch program today. Uh, we do take this time in their lives very seriously because we know the Lord took it very seriously as well. Um, so just continue to pray for them. We look forward to seeing what uh, they've been practicing. Logan, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? First, we will hear from the little ladies. Uh, little ladies. <laughs> We'll hear from the Peewees now.
Thank you for that. If you all would please stand, we're going to sing hymn 169, Come Thou Fountain.
chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me Jesus yours is the victory Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are. My living hope. That's awesome. Love to hear that young talent. All the way back to Logan. He knew faithful. Man, that was awesome. Do that or Micah. I'm sorry, Micah. Logan, Micah. Micah, right here, faithful. Winnie's just kind of, I'm the eye candy. That's all right, that's all right. Going to get over being scared in front of people, and she'll be like Thea in just a little bit. She'll be carrying all them dumb boys with her, right? 
Uh, I tell you, what a blessing. I just love kids. I told Cindy if I'd thought about it, I just read a couple of scriptures talk about singing, we'd all go home. And you'd be pretty happy about that, wouldn't you? Ain't happening, but you'd be pretty happy about it. How about Joshua chapter 1? Good day to be in the Lord's house. God's been awful good to us. Had good, good music and good participation. It's a real blessing. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1. Because you're old, I'm going to let you stay seated, but if you'd follow along here in verse number 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Isn't it amazing, though God's servant is dead, those that are living still had a job to do? One day I'll be dead, that doesn't mean your job's done. One day you'll be dead, that means that everybody else just need to keep it going, keep on serving, because we're looking forward to the Lord coming, and if he doesn't come, then we'll go meet him. Uh, so I, th- I find that statement awful interesting. Mo- Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, that thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that shall make thy way uh, prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. My father-in-law, who passed away a little over a year ago now, uh, his favorite verse was Joshua 1.8. And it's a great verse, um, one that, uh, you know, I try to live by. I think it would behoove all of us. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. One other verse, Psalms twenty-seven, fourteen: Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Today, this afternoon, I want to speak on decisions make the difference. Decisions make the difference. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for this time together in your house this afternoon. We thank you for the talent that we've seen our young people display their willingness to stand in front of others and to sing, give testimony of you. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for the workers that on a regular basis meet with them on Wednesday nights and help them sing, help them learn scripture. Uh, They have activities for them and just to to have that time together. Lord, we we thank you for those workers. We pray that you'd bless them in a great way and uh, just uh, they might realize the importance that they play in teaching those children about you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this afternoon to open your word and to uh, learn from it. Lord, I pray that uh, we might be students of the book and that it might not just be a Sunday activity, but Lord, might we open your book, might we dwell upon your book, might we meditate on it, 
And daily, Lord, might we be in your presence through your word that you might minister to our hearts and mold us to be more like you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. And so here, the nation of Israel is facing a crisis, if you would. Moses is dead. Undoubtedly, there's people that are wondering what's going to happen now. Moses has died. Our leader's gone. Uh, can we ever go forward? I remember years ago, we had a situation where we had uh, some people leaving uh, that had worked with the youth, and uh, it was kind of a very tearsome time, and uh, one individual was leaving and uh, out the door, and, and they were full of a lot of tears, and I said, it's going to be okay. And I remember them looking at me and saying, are you sure? Are you sure it's going to be okay? And here we are all these years later, and yes, I'm sure it's going to be okay. You know, we can trust God. God doesn't move or make plans or have decisions that, that he's going to hurt people with. It's just like Brother Chuck and Miss Crystal moving out to California. I think their hearts were prepared for that. Uh, they seem to enjoy it anyhow out there. I'm glad they're out there. That's kind of where they wanted to be, and I'm thankful for the time we had them. But I'm thankful that they're serving the Lord out there. Amen. And I'm thankful that here in a few months, we're going to have a young couple to reinvest in and uh, help them to come along, to be prepared for what God has for them to do. And so our first point today is that there's a potential in every problem. There's a potential in every problem. Uh, we might look at a problem and we go, oh, 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 that, oh, that, oh, oh, that's too much of a problem. But listen, a lot of times there's a potential there. There's something that can come of that that may seem hard and difficult for our good or for the good of others. And so when we look at a problem, we would, first of all, we don't want to get negative about it. We don't want to look at it like, oh, this is a big problem. That just, it wipes everything out. We're totally done. There's a potential there. There's something that can be done for the Lord's glory because he knows about it. With God's calling comes God's enabling. And so if he brings a problem or problems into our life, they're there for a reason. They're there to grow our faith. They're there to grow our trust in him. And so we need to look at every problem as if it has potential for good. And the first thing under this point is the death of Moses. I pointed that out as we were reading through here. Verse number two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. And so these people have been following Moses. You think about it, a long time. Uh, he had led them out of Egypt. He had dealt with Pharaoh. Uh, they had got, gone a, a grown accustomed to him. And, uh, you know, they, they were used to him. Moses had been a, a great prophet of God. He had uh, seen the burning bush. Uh, Moses had uh, brought the ten plagues on Egypt, been used there, and God gave Moses the ten commandments and the law. So Moses wasn't perfect, okay? When we look at people in the ministry, we realize people are not perfect, okay? Uh, if you think I'm perfect, you're in for a, a rude awakening. Just talk to this little woman over here. She can give you plenty of examples where I'm not perfect, okay? So Moses wasn't perfect. But he chose to walk with God. He desired to walk with God. And so here's the nation of Israel. Moses is now dead. What's going to happen? Uh, are we going to give up? Are we going to quit? Rather than all those things happening, they just chose to walk with God. Paul wrote about reaching forward for Christ in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, uh, I pressed. I pressed toward the prize of. I pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so, whether it's good or bad, we can never be satisfied where we're at in our walk with the Lord. We need to realize that we're always needing to go forward. We always need to do more for Him. And you might say, "Well, why, preacher?" Why can't you just stop and relish and glory in the fact of where, where I'm at? Well, the truth of the matter is that life is marching on. And we all are given just a certain amount of life. Now, some of us have been given good good amount of life, okay? There's people among us, 80s and 90s years old. Man, it's, that's a good quality life, I think. Um, I don't personally... Uh, unless I can be super healthy like some of the individuals I've met who have gone into their 80s, 
I, I really don't see that long-range plan for me. You know, if I can be like Russ Lyons and travel around and be all spry, then okay, that'd be great. But if I'm burdensome and if I'm, I'm just not, yeah, I'd just rather go to heaven, you know? And so he's telling us, Paul's given that example, I'm going to keep pressing towards that prize for the high calling. I'm not going to stop and rest and relax. I'm not going to look back and say, oh, I used to do these things when I was young, and, and, or this difficulty came into my life and it caused me to stop. I'm just going to keep pressing on for God, just keep going forward for him. The second thing we know is the first thing was the death of Moses. The second thing is the destination for Joshua, the destination of Joshua, the designation of Joshua, the designation of Joshua. I got to read these notes a little better. It really is the designation of Joshua. So who was going to take Moses's place? Well, Joshua. God knew all about it. He had someone trained. He had someone ready to go. Uh, and the nation of Israel would have to stop and realize, hey, Joshua's been there. Joshua's been the right-hand man to Moses in many circumstances. You remember when uh, Moses went to the mount and uh, Ur and Aaron were there and they held his hands up while the battle was going on? Well, the guy leading the battle was Joshua. Joshua had been one of the 12 spies to go in to spy out the land. And uh, he had come back and said uh, with Caleb, we ought to go in and possess it. And the other ten, they were bad. They came back complaining, oh, it's too great, it's too big, we can't ever do it. And because of that, then they had to wander around in the wilderness and die. And Joshua and, and uh, um, Caleb, they had to just, they had to go along with it, you know. They had to waste four years waiting on all those people to die so they can get to heaven. And I love that story because I love when it comes time to possess his mountain, Caleb's like, let's go. I mean, he's older, he's marched an additional 40 years around the block because of the 10 bad spies, but when it's time to take it, he's ready to go. And he's ready to continue to walk with God. And so in the midst of all this, Joshua, or, yeah, Joshua had been prepared. I'll get it all right here, it's been a big day. Joshua had been prepared. He would have been preparing for this time to lead and to show forth God's goodness. And so in the midst of all this, we find that he was ready. He had been proven. He had proven his courage. Uh, the Amalekites had battled against the Israelites. And uh, in Exodus 17, uh, verses 8 through 10, verse 13, then came Amalek and fought with Israel and uh, rehend them. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And so he had proven his courage. He had proven his faith. Joshua had proven his faith. Numbers chapter 13 records uh, the visit to Canaan, how they saw the amazing fruits and all that had gone on there. And there were giants there. And they might, people probably thought that their cities couldn't be conquered. But when Joshua looked at it, he said, look at what God's given us to do. Look at the promised land that God's given us. In Numbers 14, 6 through 8, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, uh, when they had gone and searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, and a land which floweth with milk and honey. The big thing about Joshua is that he was willing to trust God. He was willing to put God first in his life. He was willing to walk with him. He had been prepared for the moment that God wanted to use him. A guy named... Uh, J. Sidlow Baxter said, what is the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? Our attitude towards it. Every opportunity has a difficulty and every difficulty has an opportunity. Pretty good when you think about it. 
Pretty good when you think about it. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. Just because hard times come, resilient people find a way to get through it by trusting God and walking with Him. They don't go and cry in a corner and cower, thinking, oh no, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. They're always looking forward to how God is going to lead them and provide for them. Joshua did this and was able to provide leadership to others. And then he had a a proven humility. He had a proven humility. Perhaps the greatest proof of Joshua's ability to lead was his willingness to serve. Not just once or just a few years, but for 40 years, he had served as Moses' go-to guy. Matter of fact, the Bible records that Joshua, uh, Joshua as Moses' minister in Exodus 24, 13, and Joshua 1, 1. There in Exodus 24, 13, and verse number 18, we read, And Moses rose up, and his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. Verse 18, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and get him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Joshua had had come alongside Moses and said, I want to help you. I I want you uh, to be able to rely upon me. And he looked for any opportunity to be able to serve, to minister to God's man at that time, Moses. He just waited and served and waited and served. And he had a proven humility about him that prepared him for the opportunity to lead. Kind of amazing to me, a lot of times uh, young guys come out, they don't want to wait for an opportunity to lead. They They want to have... Uh, what other pastors have worked years before to get. And some get that, but most have to go and do the work. And they look at what uh, has been built over years and years and years of work, and they think they ought to be rewarded with the same thing without doing much work. But the truth of the matter is we have to put the time in. We have to do the work. We have to prove ourselves to be able. And Joshua was that guy. He put in the time. He waited, and he stayed by God's man, and God blessed him in the end by putting him into the leadership over the group Israel. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Many times waiting is the hardest thing we do, but something that all of us as Christians need to learn. So there's a, poten- uh, there's a potential in a problem, and there's a promise with the opportunity. There's a promise with the opportunity. He gives... An amazing resource of his promises and invites us to trust in his ability to carry us through whatever we face. <clears throat> With God's calling comes God's enabling. Matthew sixteen eighteen says, And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter just proved himself over and over to walk with God, to be faithful to God. And God looks out and says to him, look, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you because I'm going to use you. I'm going to take you in the midst of what you are. I'm going to take you and use you. And God says that to many a man today. And he'll look out and say, I'm going to take you and I'm going to build a church through you. I'm going to take you and empower you and give you all that you need to build my church and to establish it. It's not because a man deserves it, but it's because he's willing to do it. He's willing to serve. And so we see a promise of the land. The promise of the land was really a restating of the promise that God had previously made to Abraham. In Genesis 13, 15 through 17, for all the land which thou seest will I give it and unto, the, unto thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that, I, uh, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, uh, for I will give it unto thee. And they say it's 3,000 square miles of land that God was promising to the Israelites, and yet the Israelites only ever took over about 10% of it. And so there was a promise of the land. There was a promise of victory. God also promised Joshua victory. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee. What a promise. Not any man's going to be able to stand in your presence. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to go before you and prepare the way. The phrase stand before has the connotation of blocking or standing in the way of someone. 
God was assuring Joshua that no human, let alone army, would be able to keep him out or keep him from conquering the promised land. He was just wondering, Joshua, are you going to continue? Are you going to continue to walk alongside me? I'm promising the, the victory if you'll just come alongside and walk with me. And of course, Joshua had proven himself, and he drew close to God and was used in a great way. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You say, well, preacher, I'm facing a hard time. I'm facing some difficulties. I don't know. I just think it might be easier if I quit. I just think it might be easier if I went a different way. It might be easier if I did that. Listen, the same God of the Bible is still God today. He's still our God. If we're going through difficult times, we need to be reminded that God has promised us to meet our needs. He's going to give us the victory. He's promised us peace in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He's promised this direction in Psalms 32, verse number 8. You ever feel like you don't know what to do? Man, I felt that way many times. And I just stop and pray, God, you got to show me what to do. I'm not smart enough to figure this out for myself. Strength, Isaiah 40, verse number 31. Provision, Philippians 4, 19. Comfort, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Grace, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and much more. All these things God has promised those who will seek just to walk with him. And, and trust his word to walk with him. God's promised these things to us. So there's the promise of land, there's promise of protection, and then there's promise of God's presence. The ultimate resource that God promised Joshua and promises us is his very presence. No spiritual victory is possible without God's presence. God told Joshua, I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What a precious promise. I stood more times than I care to remember, it seems like, at the deathbed of, of child of God. And those are not sad times. I mean, they're sad times, but we hold on to the future of knowing that one day we're going to be reunited. One day we're going to be in the presence of God again. And it's that precious promise of his presence. That you're going to make it through this, you're going to go to the next day and to the next. I was just visiting with Mrs. Medlin this morning, and I just reassuringly, as I visited with her, I just said, you know, it's day by day. You don't take a magic pill. It's not over immediately. It's every day you make the choice. Every day it gets a little easier, if you would. Every day uh, the memories aren't so sharp uh, that it automatically brings tears. It's a day-by-day process. God promised his presence. He's never going to leave us, just as he promised Joshua here. I'll be with you. I'll not fail you. I'll not forsake you. And so it is in our lives. God's promised never to leave us or forsake us or fail us. He has promised to be our God if we will just trust him. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that, ye, uh, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. We need not fear the future. We need not fear what's going to happen. We just need to trust God. We just need to seek to walk with him. John fourteen twenty six says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> whom the Father will send in my name, <coughs> he shall teach you also. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. So the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Whatever the problem, whatever the, the circumstance, God's promised to be there by our side. So it brings us to our final point. There's a potential and problem. There's a promise and opportunity. And there's power in a decision. There's power in a decision. So a decision of courageous faith. We should see, uh, be strong and of good courage there in verse number six. That was the promise that Joshua had. Uh, Joshua 1, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. But it's hard. It's difficult. Yes, it is. But God's promise to be our help. God's promise to be by our side. God's promise to be our strength as we need it. Ephesians 6, 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To have courage that arises above fear and crisis, we need commitment to something larger than our own selves or our own self-preservation. And that's a commitment to doing the will of God, doing those things that God has asked us to do. I love what A.W. Tozer said. Many of you know I love Tozer and I, I read after him a lot. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the only fear that I have is to get out of the will of God. Outside the will of God, there's nothing I want. And in the will of God, there's nothing I fear. What a promise. Outside the will of God, there's nothing I want. But inside the will of God, there's nothing that I fear because God is with me. He goes before me. He cares for me. He loves me. A decision to complete obedience. So a decision of courageous faith and a decision of complete obedience. Joshua said to be strong and very courageous. He's told the purpose that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua 1, seven. God was calling Joshua to make a decision of complete obedience. I'm afraid many times if we're not careful, we don't make a decision of complete obedience. We may say, okay, God, I'm going to do a little bit of it your way, and now I'm going to do a little bit of my way, and hopefully this will all work out. Illustrations given of Roger Staubach. Some of you may remember him. He played for some unknown team down in Texas. Do you remember the name of that team, Brother V.C.? They had a big, they have like this star. Uh, we were doing missions conference, and Brother Aaron wanted to put a big star in the room. I'm like, well, that is a mission field, but we're not going to put Dallas Cowboys in the midst of Chiefs land. Amen? I didn't want him to get arrowed. Uh, but anyhow, <clears throat> here's an here's a illustration. 1963, as a junior in the U.S. Naval Academy, Roger Stahlback won the Heisman Trophy, awarded each year to the most outstanding player in college football. Later, Stahlback played as quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys professional football team, where he became a superstar. Early in his stint with the Cowboys, however, he was irked by the fact that his coach, Tom Landry, insisted on sending in every play rather than letting Stahlback call the plays on the field. Even though Stahlback considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind, when it came to football strategy, Stahlback's pride told him he should be able to run his own team. He later explained what enabled him to overcome. I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Stahlback went on to lead his team to two Super Bowl victories. A grown man said that. When I learned to obey. Teenagers, you guys probably think you're the only ones that have to learn to obey. But do you know, at my age, I still have to obey? I get in my car and I get on the highway and someone sets the speed limit at 70 and I'd rather go 90. Oh, I can go 90 but I'll pay the price. So we, learning to obey is just a part of life, right? And it'll, it'll be with us forever because right now we're under that obeying on April 15th to have our taxes done if you have to do taxes, which most of us do. It's obeying, learning to obey, learning to just, this is what God has for me, this is what I'm going to do. Spiritually immature Christians have a tendency to be reactionary to the circumstances of life rather than responsive to the commands of God. And so we have a decision of courageous faith. We have a decision of complete obedience, a decision of continual meditation. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Preacher, how do I know what is right and what is wrong? Meditate in the book. How do I know what decision I ought to make? Meditate in the book. How, how do I know, you know, should I, should I do this on my own, or should I walk with God? Meditate on the book. 
The word meditate in Joshua 1.8 comes to mean to muster, to mutter, to imagine. It has the idea of dwelling on or contemplating something in thought. It refers to what you think about and what you talk to yourself about. Well, I was glad to read that, to talk to myself about, because I talk to myself a lot. Oh, did you read? This was so humorous. Let me step away from the pulpit just a minute. I saw a meme about Kyle Rittenhouse, the young man that had the AR, and the view came out and blasted him, and he sued the view, and they're painting $22 million, and they're writing a letter of apology that will be read on the view, and four times they have to say that he was not guilty of murder. <laughs> Nothing in your life happens by accidents. There's a reason. God has a plan. Best thing we can do is just submit ourselves to God's plan. God, I mean your plan. God, I want your will in my life. God, I, I'm not smart enough. At my age, I still say I'm not smart enough. I don't know how many times I, I, I go to work on my own car nowadays, and I have to say, I, I can't figure this out on my own, God. You're going to have to help me. I was replacing a steering wheel. A couple of weeks ago, boy, it's changed so much with airbags and all that. It used to be just, you just take the nut, back it up a little bit, take a puller, put it on, right off, and, you know, you're down the road. Well, this one, did, it just didn't have the, that stuff, but I did figure it out. I did it with a big hammer. That's the way every mechanic fixes an issue. But I found myself saying, God, I don't know how to get this airbag off. Will you show me? And he did. He, he helped me to do things. And that's what God does. He helps us and he empowers us. The main thing is that we realize that whatever comes into our life is not by an accident. That there's a purposeful reason that God has allowed things into our life. And the way we respond to it is so important. How do we make good decisions? Well, we ought to read our Bible daily. We ought to listen to the Bible on audio while you commute, work, or exercise. We ought to take every opportunity to hear the Bible preached and taught at, uh, at our church. We ought to study passages and topics from the Bible. We ought to read biblically sound material that expounds on God's Word. We ought to place scripture verses where you'll see them or be reminded of them, uh, like maybe on your fridge. I've got them in my study, so where I set my computer screen, just beyond my computer screen, there's two or three verses that I've mounted there that mean a lot to me. They minister to my heart as I'm preparing messages. Memorize verses and even entire chapters so that you can think on them throughout the day. Listen to and sing music that draws from scriptural truths. Talk with fellow believers about the Word of God. Our mind needs to be filled with God's Word. We need to, it needs to not be a tedious thing. It needs to be a willing choice. It needs to be something we decide. I'm not going to fill my mind with the world. I'm not going to fill my mind with the world's philosophy. I'm not going to fill my mind with the world's music. I'm going to choose to fill my mind with the things of God, with music that honors and glorifies Him, with uh, Scripture, with messages. All these things I'm going to fill my mind with that I might faithfully serve Him. And we close with Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this time together this afternoon. We pray to God that your will be done in this invitation time. Lord, might it bring honor and glory to you. Thank you for the children, their willingness to be used for your glory. Now you do your work in our lives as you see fit. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Only trust and obey. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. And encourage you to come. I am every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest.
Joaquin need a meeting with the teens and their parents, we'll do that right here. And 20 minutes be good enough, Brother Aaron? Choir will start practice in 20 minutes. And so teens and parents, immediately we get that done so the choir can practice. Lord bless you for being here today. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your great love for us. We pray to God that you would lead in our lives. Use us for your glory. Help us to recognize each problem and trial and issue that comes into our life is there for a reason. And Lord, you're the help to get us through those problems and issues. Help us just to rely upon you. Seek your leadership and your will in all that we do. We love you and we're thankful for the time we had today. And pray that you go before us in all we do this week that we might bring glory to you. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank mm-hmm. you.